This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When they picture postpartum depression, they, even people that have had kids and picture postpartum depression think can't get out of bed, somebody has to take care of the baby. You know, I think it's important for people to talk about all the different ways that it, it's really a continuum and can look different. I feel like moms always fall through the cracks with medical stuff in general and especially with uh, pregnancy and postpartum. It's like women are supposed to have tight abs and flat stomachs unless you're pregnant, then you're still judged on your baby size and how big your bump is. You know, it's like you can't win, you know? And so there's always shoulds. A happy mom, a well-cared for mom makes for a happy baby and a well-cared for baby. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. Did you know that one in seven women are going to struggle with postpartum depression? Yeah, and that number is quite conservative. It could be a lot more. But that means that your wife, your sister, your friend, or maybe even you are struggling or have struggled with postpartum depression. And so we're going to cover that today, the baby blues and what to do. Today we're interviewing Sarah Sanders, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And Sarah has a master's degree in counseling psychology And um, she also is a certified perinatal mental health specialist. And um, side note, I actually go way back with her. We talk about that in the interview today. And um, she's incredible. She has a lot to share with us, not only about postpartum depression, but also postpartum anxiety, the subset of postpartum OCD and postpartum psychosis, the difference between those things. So you're in for a treat, uh, also in for a lot of good direction and support for how to deal with this if you or somebody you know is going through it. So welcome, Sarah, to the podcast. Hello, Sarah. 
you so much for having me. It's so good to see you guys. Oh, absolutely. It's so good to see you too. And for those who are listening and are wondering who's Sarah and what's the connection here, um, Sarah and I actually go way back. We uh, went to graduate school together um, back uh, in 2000. We started in 2010, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And then we were graduated practicing by 2011, end of 11. And um, man, you have you've built your own practice and you are specializing in perinatal mental health. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of wisdom to share with our audience today. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first started 10 years ago, I saw everybody, men, uh, couples, just kind of, you know, remember at reflections, anybody who came in was, who yes, lost, you know, yes. so, um, that's kind of what I did. And then about four years ago, um, I just decided to start focusing solely on women and girls and just have my whole practice be that. So, mm-hmm. um, that's all I see and, um, some families and, you know, uh, different support people, you know, pulling in, but yeah, I'm, you know, perinatal mental health is very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I cared about it before I ever even had kids. Then after kids, I especially, you know, was like, okay, yeah, this is important. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I love the work. I love supporting moms and, um, just being, you know, there in that capacity for them. And so, Mm. um, yeah, a lot of people, when they picture postpartum depression, they, even people that have had kids and picture postpartum depression, think, it's this really, um, specific, like can't get out of bed. Somebody has to take care of the baby. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I think it's important for people to talk about all the different ways that it it's really a continuum and can look different. Um, it can have a lot of anxiety and not any depression. It's kind of a misnomer of just postpartum depression because there can be anxiety in there. So it can really like just span a lot of symptoms and, you know, even moms, um, that they really want support and extra help, but their, their anxiety is telling them to kind of hold on to the baby more and not trust somebody else, not even the, Mm -hmm. you know, the spouse or the partner. And so it can look like they're controlling and, you know, whatever, but really it's this, uh, fear inside and this anxiety, that can manifest that way. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, as like, let's say somebody comes into the office and uh, sits down, you kind of start to get the idea that this is postpartum. They just had a child and you could see the signs of depression. Um, What is your typical move or how do you start like helping somebody see what's going on in themselves? And then how do you, what's the process? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty complex because, um, typically I don't just get a referral from, you know, I can from a midwife or doctor, but typically it's somebody coming in that they're just like this, this woman's just like, I don't feel good or I'm not sleeping or I'm irritable or I'm, you know, whatever. And I don't know what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I picture kind of like this big ball of yarn that's Mm -hmm. not stuff. And it's kind of like teasing it and pulling it apart and being like, what is going on? What is this, you know, um, underlying issue going on? going on here. And so, um, yeah, if they've had a child within a year or even if their kid's 10 years old, I'm still kind of assessing to see maybe they had postpartum depression. Maybe there's some unresolved stuff going on, you know, Mm -hmm. a big part 
I think as a mother is this mom guilt and this mom shame that we feel. I'm sure you can, you know, relate to that, Chris. Oh, yeah, for sure. You shoulds, you know, I should do this or I shouldn't do that, you know. And so just in general, there's a lot of um, pressure on us moms. And so, um, yeah, if somebody has a kid or a baby and I'm definitely assessing that and a lot of times, um, there is some postpartum depression that was there or is currently there. And so I'm really just trying to get a full assessment and a picture of what their life is like eating, sleeping, their support systems. Mm -hmm. Um, If they've met with a doctor, you know, um, how they feel about meds or something natural, you know, to support it, you know, just kind of taking that ball of yarn and slowly, you know, that can be several Mm -hmm. sessions. So it's really you know, and I do more insight oriented work. So I work with a lot of, you know, my clients I've seen for years now. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's a long-term, you know, addressing lots of different things, but the postpartum piece is huge and people yeah. don't, um, don't realize that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's- yeah. And it's so common. Do you know how common it is? Like what's the prevalence rate for postpartum depression or anxiety? Yeah. They say for perinatal, which is like when you're pregnant and postpartum, that it's about one in seven to 10. So it's like 15%. But I personally, you know, I mean, obviously I see it a lot more in my therapy practice, but I feel like it's underreported and, Mm -hmm. you know, people just don't know. And what's really hard is that when moms, you know, when you're at the hospital or whatever, giving birth, whatever location, a lot of the focus is the baby. And so the mom kind of gets pushed aside and especially her mental health. And so then she gives birth and then it's all checking about the baby. And then your follow-up, you know, postpartum visit is not like for six to eight weeks, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's like a 10 minute visit. So how are they even, you know, how's the medical professional even going to see if that mom presents with a full face of makeup and she looks really competent and she's, she's really struggling inside. Well, that's what she she should do, right? (laughs) That's what she should have done, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Pull yourself together. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I I need to have a certain look. My baby needs to look a certain way, you know, I have to have it together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so if she presents that way, the medical professional might not know or think to be like, here's, you know, the Edinburgh postnatal, you know, depression Mm -hmm. scale or whatever, you know, and really like ask her deeper questions. So it's just, it's hard. I feel like moms always fall through the cracks with Mm, medical stuff in general, and especially with uh, pregnancy and postpartum. So, so if you were a medical professional right now, talking to a whole bunch of women (laughs) and screening, (laughs) what questions would you ask them to elucidate that answer or to find out where they are in their mental health? Yeah. Well, well, more specifically questions of like, are you, you know, how's your appetite or are you eating? And somebody's like, yeah, I eat, but like, when are you eating? How are you eating? You know, are there any periods where you're not feeling hungry or, you know, are you eating too much, you know, or too little, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of going very, um, kind of in depth because even with like sleep, it's like, okay, how's your sleep? Okay. Well, the baby wakes me up all the time, but after the baby wakes you up and you get the baby back to sleep, are you falling asleep? Or are you staying awake for hours? You know, just mm-hmm. kind of like that. So, um, yep. you know, it's, it's very time consuming, you know, to go through that and, yeah. uh, you know, a great resource is postpartum support international. And I just finished all of their perinatal, you know, mood and anxiety, um, 
specialized classes and trainings. And um, the one uh, trainer was saying like the full screening of what every, you know, uh, medical professional should go through and, you know, all the details. And it was like an hour of questions and stuff. And it's like, oh, wow. People don't spend, you know, I didn't have that much time when I was, you know, pregnant. No way. I think I got like the PHQ nine, like it's 12 questions, you know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you have that pressure and you kind of have that should on you that I should be competent, I should, you know, Uh um, then you're like, oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm sleeping. Like this is what I should be doing or, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's hard. I think it's that whole it's not like the medical professionals fault or it's not the mom's fault. I think it's just a really hard, um, like unfortunate mixture of like lack of time mm-hmm. and forces. And then that mom having those follow-up questions, because maybe that day she is feeling good, sure. but you know, five out of the seven days, she's not, you know, right. and like, how do I answer this? You know, yep. Yep. what's, what's normal. Do you think like, for women maybe trying to figure out, oh, maybe I need to be seen for this. What's, you know, like normal for saying like, I know normal is such a hard word. And yeah. <laughs> it's not a one size fits all. I, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, I'm, I, I feel terrible for four out of the five days or, you know, whatever you said, or out of seven days, how do they, should they reach out at that point? Or mm. what are we, what are we looking for here? Yeah. Like kind of like what's, what would be her indicator that she needs to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Um, I think really, um, you know, trusting your community that you have around you. So your partner or your friends, or, you know, um, if, you know, if people start saying, Hey, you look a little sad or, you know, you're kind of stressed. Like I personally thinking back, after the birth of my first son. And I had a lot of anxiety of just like, I want to do the best and I want to care for him well. And so it kind of kept this like very, um, kind of wound up internal dialogue that I had that I didn't Mm -hmm. present anxious really, but inside. And so if people would have asked me more of like, well, what are you thinking with that? You know, that's what we do as therapists, but yeah. you know, if friends or family know to kind of check in more with the mom and don't just go by how she presents and how mm-hmm. everything looks. Um, and internally for the, the mom herself to really, um, just kind of like, I always tell my clients, like, just kind of sit with yourself. Like, how does your body feel? Where, mm-hmm. where are you? What's your mind doing? What's your, if your heart racing, you know, kind of just like going inward, because yeah. as you know, being a parent, it's kind of fast paced and it's this thing and this thing and this spill and that, you know, mm-hmm. and this baby throw up and, you know, yeah. blow out, you know, there's all these things that it's, you don't check inwardly with yourself very much. Yeah. A lot of that internal, you know, mindfulness. And so if you are feeling sad or you are feeling anxious or you just don't feel right, if you feel a little bit off or you're like, mm-hmm. I just don't feel like myself or I'm really stressed about such and such, like just reaching out and yeah. So going PSI postpartum support international has their, um, uh, specifically and specially trained therapists, Mm -hmm. but also just Googling, you know, going on psychology today, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. asking a friend, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a family member, if they see anybody, you know, just kind of that network and just going Mm -hmm. and seeing somebody, I think a lot of times we feel 
Um, and I see this in my, you know, practice a lot that these women are like, well, I don't know what I have, so I need to figure it out before I go, you know, right? like they feel like they have to diagnose themselves in order to feel qualified to walk into your office. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you don't have to feel quote unquote crazy. Like a lot of moms are like, well, I'm not crazy. So, you know, but yeah. you can just go get support just cause you're feeling off. And you know, it's funny though. Yeah. I think some of the most fascinating and, um, the, some of the most fascinating work is with people that are high functioning, that are that are doing great, but maybe have s- some areas in their life that are difficult. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be, you don't have it together. But we also see a lot of people that don't have it together. Right. Yeah. It's the it's the whole spectrum that's so interesting, and mm-hmm. that's why yeah. this job is so interesting. So I guess I want to say like, you yeah, you don't have to be any particular thing. Yeah. in order to reach yeah. out. Totally. Yeah, you feel like this is hard or this sucks or yeah. I thought it was going to be one way and it's not. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's perfectly fine. Call yes. a therapist, you know, yes. or, you know, talk to a friend about it. You know, you don't have to be like Googling, you know, what mm-hmm. yes. are and, you know, yes. have a preconceived idea walking in, you know, and right. that's, you know, my practice is made up of high functioning, anxious women. And that's what they do is like, I got to get this figured out, you know? (laughs) Yes. So, so Sarah, I guess I'm kind of maybe like asking most of the questions because I don't deal deal very much with this demographic besides my wife. (laughs) (laughs) High functioning, anxious woman. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, just thinking about you know, the shoulds come out so often yeah. and that seems to be a kind of a pattern here of like, I should know what, what's going on with me before I reach out. Yeah, It's kind of like rearing its head right here. Mm-hmm. Tell yeah. talk to me about what is that all about with women that have this idea of how they should be or shouldn't be mm-hmm. like, what's all I, with this thing? Yeah. Well, you know, think about society, oh, how you should look, what size you should be, you know, it's like all about, mm. you know, it's like women are supposed to have, you know, tight abs and flat stomachs, unless you're pregnant, then you're still judged on your baby size and how big your bump is, you know, it's like, <laughs> you can't win, you know, and so there's always shoulds uh, yeah. from yeah. the time you're little, you know, you should get you know, A's and B's, you should be in extracurricular activities. You should go to college, you know, there's always these shoulds. And so we just naturally internalize those messages from young, you know, young girls, you know, a lot of my clients, um, they talk about eight, nine, 10, their anxiety started, you know, they started having this internal sense of like, I'm not doing enough or what should I be doing? Or, you know, Mm. and it develops at a really young age. And so fast forward, you know, in your twenties or thirties or forties, having babies, and you've got this whole line of shoulds, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of I described it as like a playbook, you know, where you're like, this, this is what we should be doing. This is what I should be doing. This is how I you know, cross my T's and dot my I's, you know? And so, you know, and then that's just women in general and in our society. And then think about moms, like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what school are they going to? Did you pack a healthy lunch? You know, (laughs) is that baby sleeping through the night? Are you breastfeeding? You know, there's a whole list of shoulds. Right. So, so so what I'm hearing is like, there's a game that all women play 
but no rules or playbook is really written except in their, everybody else's head. How anxiety provoking, not, not knowing if you're winning or not. There's even a game like we need to like throw out the game, you know, like, right. Cause that's the only time there's a should, right? Like if I'm playing a game with you and I right. move my piece, now it's your turn. You, you should move soon. Yeah. 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 And make the right choice and do right. the thing, you know, and it's yeah. like, almost, like tension and this big, like everything's riding on this one decision, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I help my clients take a step back and kind of get a bird's eye view of like, mm-hmm. what, what is this decision you have? What, you know, it's not life or death. Like mm-hmm. if you have this baby and you're struggling and you're like, I like, I can't nurse anymore. I can't, you know, yeah. if the bottle, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it's just all this pressure to be like, nope, I got to do this or, mm-hmm. you know, diapering because you don't want to fill the landfills you know it's just mm-hmm. <laughs> the shoulds yes yeah so it's like that that's where that anxiety comes from is like I want to do well at this game in life mm-hmm. but how do I and what's going to happen if I don't or if I miss it you know and mm-hmm. then really just like helping my clients kind of take a deep breath and let that go is a continual yeah. process because yes. we that from such a young age you yeah. know That's true. I think a lot of times we encounter um, postpartum issues, whether it's anxiety, depression, et cetera, when we're working with a couple and then we find out, we start like some of the facts start coming out where they're like, yeah, we, you know, our toddler is still in our bed and he's three or, you know, um, we haven't gone on a date. We haven't been overnight by ourselves and our child's five, you know, and like they just have this, um, pressure to have to like hover over their children mm-hmm. and um you know this that's another should right another should or even just the mom guilt of you know leaving a child with a trusted person um and then questioning whether they can trust them or whether their child will be okay with them um and so that's mm-hmm. oftentimes where we see it coming out and it's not usually in those first few months after having a baby talk to us about the timeline patterns that you see in your practice, like sometimes maybe it's a year or two or five years out from having a baby that you see some of these symptoms come up. Totally. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, postpartum depression is considered in that first year after, after birth. But like you're saying, you know, there's these other issues or, you know, kind of, um, topics that keep kind of stringing along. So maybe that mom, you know, gave birth and she's really anxious about, caring, you know, for that child and all these what ifs and these shoulds and stuff, but Mm -hmm. then that never gets resolved or that, you know, what's that underlying issue? What is she afraid of never gets resolved? Or maybe she had trauma or a past, you know, a history of abuse that's Mm -hmm. going to influence what she does with this tiny child that she, you know, cares for, you know, so maybe that child is five now and, you know, still sleeping in the bed or, or she's not letting anybody watch that baby still, or, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it really does play out in different ways over the years. And it's hard. I think it's a very, um, complex, you know, um, situation. And we want to tell her just do that. Just, you know, leave that baby with your husband or go away. Mm. From, you guys need this as a couple, but that's really traumatizing and anxiety sure. for, her, for her. And, you know, I, 
how I do my work is I try to empower the mother or the woman, you know, or the girl as much as possible and be like, okay, what, where is this coming from? What do you want? What do you feel comfortable with? Because Mm -hmm. mother who, um, can't let that, that baby or that child out of their sight, even with their partner or their spouse, like what's going on with that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, being careful not to put more shoulds on her, you know, and sure of like, you need to be doing this and you missed this and Mm -hmm. you, you know, you did this wrong, you know? And so really as professionals and friends, you know, taking a step back and being like, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? That's a good, so that's a good first step, ladies. If you're listening and you're like, oh, that's me. I, my kid's still in my bed or I haven't gone on a date with my husband in years, you know, ask yourself, where is this coming from? And I would encourage Mm. women too, to be gently, gently curious Mm. about themselves because it's so easy to go within and then put all the more shoulds and labels and stuff on themselves. Right. Right. And for other people to do that too. She's already feeling all this, you know, condemnation and let me pile some more on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when people are like, Hey, when's the last time you had a date or when's the last time you went overnight? And they're like, never, they're like, Oh no, you know, I'm doing something wrong. You know, she's like, I told you I'm already screwing this up. Like she is already feeling that way. Right. So it's, it's really hard. It's a fine line between, encouraging this person to, you know, take a step in their growth, you know, Mm -hmm. and on that path and really digging deep and helping her heal Mm -hmm. that, you know, that area. Like I tell my clients, if you're out camping and there's leaves rustling near, near your tent and a chipmunk jumps out, you're going to be like, Oh, cute. A chipmunk. But if leaves are rustling and a bear jumps out, you're not going to be like, Oh, a bear, you're going to be running or getting far, you know? If a mom is, you know, saying she's not going overnight with, you know, her spouse or partner, you know, whatever. And somewhere along the way, the leaves rustling meant a bear. She's not going to leave that child with any, you know, so there's really going to be trauma or, you know, past negative experiences to work through. So it's hanging on the surface is like, this is what you should do. Check this box, go out of your husband. Mm. But if rustling leaves meant bear, she's not going to leave that That's child. such a good point. Yeah. Really what happens. are some other um, uh, some other reasons why someone would feel anxious about leaving their child um, when, you know, they have trusted people in their life um, and they just still feel like they can't go to the store by themselves while, you know, the baby or the child stays with uh, a trusted person? Maybe they don't have particular like sexual trauma or uh, neglect or anything that you would label as trauma, but what would be some other reasons why she might feel um, hesitant to leave a child? We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. We focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a QA and a and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. 
and we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in, but we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there might not be a big like you know, again, we compare ourselves, you know, to others or we have those shoulds. And so maybe, you know, maybe she wasn't sexually assaulted, but maybe her, her delivery was really traumatic and, Mm. you know, she experienced trauma in, you know, your most vulnerable states. And so there's maybe not this big T trauma where it's like, oh, this happened to me, but she's like, I still feel traumatized. I still feel like, I, you know, something happened to me, but I don't know what it was, but I'm not going to trust other people now, or I'm, you know, so it could be this way of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, we compare ourselves all of the time, you know, and Brene Brown calls it like the comparative suffering where we're like, well, that person lost their leg in the car accident. I only lost my foot. So I shouldn't complain because at least I have my leg. And it's like, (laughs) no, you're still missing your foot. You know, if it's, traumas in the, you know, eye of the beholder, if you were traumatized by that, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're traumatized yeah. and, you know, dealing with that and not comparing yourself to somebody else. So, That's good. so whether it's a big T or maybe a little T that you're just not acknowledging the impact of, uh, it's time to acknowledge that if, if that's, yeah. you know, if that's something that's holding you back from getting what you want in your relationship or in your peace in your home. Right. Right. And just how you see yourself as a mother, if you feel like there's something holding me back, but I'm not sure, like, that's okay. That's another great reason to go talk to a therapist and kind of dive into those things. You know, like you want to be able to find a trusted person that can really go to those deeper places with you and figure that out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with women, if you think about sexual assault, you know, they say, one in four, you know, are sexually abused. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a high percentage. And totally. I, you know, again, feel like that's underreported as well. And so, mm. you know, even if you have this abuse in your childhood and you've never been abused again, but there's something in your birth that triggers that, like that, that's going to be coming, you know, back up and, you know, having to work mm-hmm. through that again. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, intricacies and it's a complex topic. So, you know, looking at, you know, you might be like, oh, she just needs to such and such, but it's like, why isn't she, you know, what's Mm -hmm. her? Yeah. Getting curious. What are some of the modalities that you use in working through trauma? Say maybe trauma that's triggered at birth um, when folks go through that intense pain and just the most intense experience of their life. And it kind of brings them back to unprocessed trauma from earlier on. What, what modalities do you use to work through that? Yeah. So in general, I use CBT, cognitive Mm -hmm. behavioral therapy and mindfulness, um, and really just a lot of somatic body work of, you know, like I was saying before, like, where is your body? What is it doing? You know, Mm -hmm. um, in with yourself and, Mm -hmm a lot of times talking through and really, you know, pulling apart that, that, you know, that yarn from that ball, you know, helps a lot. And if Mm -hmm. somebody continues to have really maybe just one specific memory that's just stuck and, you know, then I'll refer out for EMDR because I'm not trained in EMDR. Okay. Um, 
or brain spotting or something. And that can be super helpful to have them work on that with another clinician and then come back. But yeah, really, um, that long-term trying to figure out, you know, cause it's like our brains, it's like, you know, the neurons that fire together, wire together. And so it's like all of these experiences all come together, you know, and this is related to this and this is related to this. And, you know, so really talking about that and working through that long-term is super helpful. Yeah. Just to two therapists talking shop here, (laughs) 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 but a great book to kind of fill in some of those gaps would be the body keeps the score Mm -hmm. by Bessel van der Kolk. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a fabulous book talking about trauma and its effects and how, well, just like the title says, how trauma is stored in the body and the body remembers, even though you, you may try to stuff it into a closet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. And so that mom that's not leaving her baby with somebody else or not able, you know, to go back to work. Cause she's like, I can't do daycare. or I can't have this person watch my child. Yeah. And they, they don't know why, you know, she doesn't know where that's coming from because yeah. her body's kept that, you know, memory that she might not cognitively be aware of that, you know, and with trauma, a lot of times memories are impacted and, you know, really being able to remember, you know, details. So I was working with a client just recently and we were going through a a memory and um, I remember he just absolutely broke down. He said, Oh my word. It's like, and he just started describing more of the memory that he had completely forgotten. Mm. And it wasn't, and, and he just broke down because he's like seeing all these new things. Mm-hmm. And this is a older man. Mm-hmm. And so for all these years, those memories were there, but he wasn't aware of them until we went there. Mm. And so, yeah, this happens all the time where like memories will come back, yeah. you know, but, but it's healing too. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Totally. Right. Right. And it's so validating to have somebody else in the room that you're able to talk to, you know, and share that with and not, not have them recoil in horror, you know, and like talk about this. I had a client who she was in her seventies and she had a miscarriage when she was in her twenties and had never talked about it, you know, 50 years ago, you know, that wasn't really a thing to talk about that. Uh, And she didn't realize that it was so painful and hard for her until her daughter-in-law had a miscarriage uh, and wow. all of this flooded back for her. And I'll never forget her sitting in my, you know, in the therapy room and going like, can this be a thing? Can I still be bothered about my own miscarriage 50 years ago? Because mm. I never thought it was a thing. And I'm like, yes, you know, mm-hmm. and so it was really beautiful. She, you know, her process of, you know, processing that grief and working mm-hmm. through that and being there and supporting her daughter-in-law as well as yes. healing her own pain, you know, it was so, it was so beautiful, but Aww. yeah. Wow. Do you see, um, the, an impact on pregnant mothers who have experienced a miscarriage before, like in their levels of anxiety, going to each scan and, you know, whether their baby will be healthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, having infertility or a miscarriage or, you know, infant loss, those are all risk factors for Mm -hmm. postpartum depression. So, you know, all of those, you know, like we talked about abuse, you know, all of those things heightens anxiety, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
is, you know, is a risk factor there. So if you've lost your, you know, if you've lost a baby through miscarriage, you know, you're going to be more anxious before the scan or, you know, I'm walking through, you know, a friend right now with that. And it's really, it's really hard. And I'm always just validating her of like, yep, this is hard. This is like, you cared for that baby. You loved that baby that you lost. You're not going to, you know, those leaves rustling in the woods meant a bear. Like you Mm -hmm. lost your child. You lost, you know, you lost your pregnancy. That's not a chipmunk. It wasn't a scare. You really lost your child, you know, Mm -hmm. and validating that for her, you know, and for clients. So yeah, yeah, just like people validating themselves is huge. Like I'm always encouraging my clients validate yourself in that be like, Mm -hmm. yep, I'm having a hard day because of such and such. And that's okay. You know, I don't need anybody else to validate that. I don't need to compare it to somebody else's suffering. That's, that's enough for me. That's okay. That this is hard for me. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that's hard with women. Um, you know, everybody responds differently to a miscarriage and some women, you know, are like, yes, it was hard, but they recover easier than other women. And so if you're somebody who's still having a really hard time, you know, grieving the loss of your child from miscarriage, you know, really honoring yourself in that and letting that be okay, that just because it looks like somebody else moved on from it and you're not, that's okay. You don't need to, you know, totally. It's okay to grieve. Yeah. And naming it to tame it. Yeah. I've heard it said. Yeah. You know, being able to admit the fact that, hey, you know, this is happening in me. Mm-hmm. And and just that. It's the fact of the matter. It's not like something you shouldn't do or, you know, like trying to hide it. I think there's there's a lot of progress can be made if you just sit with it and, and, and acknowledge, acknowledge it, it. Mm-hmm, yeah. for sure. Sarah, um, talk to us about some of the differentiating factors between postpartum depression, anxiety, and psychosis. Um, I know some of the, some of the symptoms are overlapping, but can you kind of help us differentiate the three? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so first of all, kind of the baby blues that people are like, is this depression? Is this the baby blues? Um, beyond the blues is a really good book by Shoshana Bennett. Mm. Um, and that, uh, book will talk about what the baby blues look like, kind of how long it lasts. It's, it's shorter, you know, it's kind of comes and goes and waves, um, you know, then what anxiety and depression looks like. Um, yeah, so that's a really good book, but just in general. So, um, there is a subset of, um, postpartum anxiety called postpartum OCD. So obsessive compulsive disorder. And Mm -hmm. I, I screen for that with my clients in session, because a lot of times, um, women experience these intrusive thoughts that kind of pop into their head. And it's like, what if something, you know, something happened and it's sometimes it can be them, like they're giving their baby a bath. What if I, push my baby under the water. Like, I don't want to give a bath anymore. I'll have my, my spouse or my partner do it. And so some women have these thoughts and I've worked with a lot of women with those and they go, Oh my gosh, I'm like this horrible person that I even thought of that. Like Mm -hmm. what's wrong with me? You know, Mm -hmm. is this, you know, postpartum psychosis where the person really does, you know, inflict harm on their child. And so it's this terrifying thought that they're having even these thoughts pop into their head and the huge, you know, uh, 
deciding factor of which is it postpartum OCD or postpartum psychosis is really in psychosis. It's a break with reality. And this thought that pops, you know, that comes into their head is a comforting thought. Mm -hmm. And in postpartum OCD, it's not a comforting thought. They're like freaked out that this thought popped into their head. They're like, Mm -hmm. I was walking, you know, on the bridge with my baby. And I thought, what if my baby suddenly fell over? This is terrifying to me. It, it scares mm-hmm. them. So they're like, I'm going to walk away. You know, I'm not going to have my baby near the, the edge. Or if I'm worried about, you know, contaminants or, you know, poison or something, I'm not going to make their bottle. I'm going to have somebody else do it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they have a scary thought and then they decide to go away from that thought and have somebody else do the activity or whatever. Okay. And postpartum psychosis is it it's a break from reality where they're comforted by that thought or they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're not bothered by it. And, and that, they move toward it even and uh, take action yeah, toward it. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. where it becomes this crisis where they need, you know, they need help and medical intervention. Um, but the postpartum um, OCD is where there's these, you know, what if thoughts all of the time. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, one of my first clients 10 years ago struggled with that and it was terrifying for her. Um, and then I've seen it ever since, but at first it was like, she was like, are you going to call CPS on me? Like, mm-hmm. can I even tell you these things in my head? And i you know, I fully assessed her and I knew it wasn't postpartum psychosis. And I'm like, yes, you can talk to me about it. Like mm-hmm. that's this what if thought, you know, and yeah. anxiety, what is anxiety? Anxiety is that what if something happens? What if I lose my job? What if I, you know, whatever. And so that's that same experience, but it's what if harm comes to my child and it's this intrusive thought that pops in. Mm -hmm. And so really working with a mental health professional to, um, to work through that is imperative because it's terrifying. And that's when the mom might, you know, be showing this behavior that looks odd, but it's because she's trying to make sense of this thought in her head of like, I I don't want to be anywhere near, you know, the stairs with the baby. So I don't want to walk up and down in our townhouse with the baby, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really helpful. I think that helps a lot of women realize like they're not experience. Yeah. I think they would use the word crazy, but they're not experiencing the postpartum psychosis that they hear about in the news just because they have these intrusive thoughts that come into their mind about the what ifs that's that falls under that anxiety category, the subset of OCD, not the psychosis category where it's a detachment from reality. Right. Right. I had a mom, um, this was probably last year, um, frantically, um, you know, emailing me and like, can we have a session? And, you know, and in the session, she was like, I have this, what if thought of this, what if thought, and these, these are really scary to me. And like, mm-hmm. are you call CPS or, you know, and so I had to do a full assessment, make sure it wasn't postpartum psychosis, but I was like, no, this is, you know, OCD. This is how this manifests. This is, you know, mm-hmm. and then I never saw her again. She was like, I'm good. Like she just needs somebody to like, <laughs> you know? yeah. she was like, okay, I'm not crazy. Okay. I'm good. Like, wow. I don't you know, cause it's, yeah. it's terrifying. And then when you mm-hmm. think about that list of shoulds that, you know, that all of us moms have, and then you have yeah. these scary thoughts that pop into your head, you'd be like, Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, what's wrong with me? You know? Yeah. And sometimes the treatment is just voicing that and realizing that you, you are not detached from reality, that everything is going to be okay. And sometimes that will help the thoughts subside 
just acknowledging them. And then, you know, they they kind of it, it really does kind of pitter out after that. And um, I, I see it happen with folks. It Sometimes it just takes a few months even. And then, you know, they're kind of equilibriated. Uh, they find their equilibrium again. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and some for that one client, they're like, I just need to talk about it. And then it's gone. And others, it's an ongoing battle that they're yeah. like, I keep having this. This is terrifying to me, sure. you know, so yes. it really can come in, you know, both extremes, but for yeah, sure. just being like, what is a framework for this? That this is this, what if thought this mm-hmm. is OCD that is, this is not me. This is not a reflection of how much I love my child or yeah. how well safe. This is this thing. That's not, you know, and really like separating that is powerful. Mm -hmm. I find it very helpful for people just kind of like walk them through the idea that they have thoughts. They are not their thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like you're not, you're not, you're the thinking thing. You're not the actual thought itself. So you can have thoughts that have no bearing to reality. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not you. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, Sometimes for my clients, it's helpful when I describe just kind of watching it like a cloud going by, like you're not grabbing that and holding that of like, that's me. You're just mm-hmm. like, yep, I had that thought, especially for the what if thoughts and the postpartum OCD is like, it's just like watching a cloud go by. Mm-hmm. It's passing by. Don't, don't hold on to that. Don't expend a ton of energy trying to fight that off. Just know. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the postpartum OCD thought it's going by not, okay, I'm moving on, you know, Mm -hmm. and so that can be a really helpful tool to, how do I make sense of this? This is this thought is not me. Yeah. Because the pain, the pain is uh, when the person reaches out and grabs it and lets it, you know, Right. Get them cold and let it rain on them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm having this thought. How do I fight against this? What do I do? Like, do I need to, you know, be inpatient? You know, like, what do I do with this? This is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's like this mental, you know, inside this horrible pain they're going through. And yeah, the one, the one client that I've, you know, that I worked with 10 years ago, that was really helpful to her of just like, just watch that cloud, that thought cloud going by, mm-hmm. don't grab it. Don't, cause it's exhausting when you think about when you're anxious or when there's a big emotional event and you're expending all this energy fighting it. And, you know, and then it's like, whoo, it's exhausting, but you still have life going on. You still have mm-hmm. that for those kids to take care of. And so you're already drained. And so if you don't even like hold on to that thought and you just see it out there, you know, mm-hmm. I, you're not tired then, you know? Yeah. Right. So good. It's like a gentle nod of acknowledgement of like, huh, there you go. That's, yes. that, that's a cloud. Yeah. Right. Here, I'm going to go ch- change this poopy diaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I that thought it's not, a, it's not mine. It's not yes. my, it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's not something I have to fight against. And yep. Changing that poopy diaper. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> One more question for you, Sarah, um, before we move to our end of um, end of episode questions that we ask each interviewee. Um, But one more question for you is if a husband is listening and he's like, how do I help my wife? Like this is what she's going through. She has some blues or she has these obsessive thoughts. Um, You know, what's one step that he can take? Maybe a friend or a friend. Maybe a friend is listening. What's one step that they can take to talk to this mom um, and and kind of help her feel safe or resourceful? 
Right. Right. Yeah. That's a great question. I think the number one thing is showing her this mom that you're not going to judge her, that whatever Mm -hmm. she tells you, however, you know, whatever those thoughts are inside her head, it's okay. And you still love her. You still support her, you Mm -hmm. know, because somebody's never going to share scary thoughts in their head. If they feel like they're going to be judged or their baby's going to be taken away. They're, Mm -hmm. they're just like, Nope, I don't have anything. Like they just lock, you know, lock that Mm -hmm. away. And so really like showing that of like, Hey, I'm here for you. I care about you. We're in this together, you know, what's going on for you, you know, share this. And it's probably not going to be one conversation. It's probably going to be over and over reminding her that, Hey, you know, I see that, that this struggle is there. I saw, I, you know, I see that difference or, you know, what's going on for you. Talk to me about that. You Mm -hmm. know, that's good. I love that. Just that non-judgmental stance and creating that that container we call it, you know, which is easy to have. I think if, if you have that, that framework of, Oh, you're having these thoughts, Mm -hmm. you're not crazy. You know, it's, it's funny how, how often I hear from women that that's a, like a deep down fear, like, Oh, you know, I'm not crazy. Yes. I didn't think that was a thing until I talked to a lot of women. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, Oh, that's a common thing for women. They have all these emotions that are so fierce that they right. sometimes question their own sanity. It's like, yeah. no, you're, oh, you're fine. You're okay. And this we get is so much relief when we're, <laughs> you know, when it is normalized and we're like, oh, I'm not crazy. Right. Yeah. How powerful is that when you're like, hey, what's going on for you? And, oh, I struggle with that too. Or, oh, that's a common thing. Or, you know, I, I always tell clients the first session, I'm like, whatever you tell me, I've heard it before. Yeah. It's common. <laughs> like, just know it's not just you, you know, yeah. and that's, very, very reassuring to people because yes. yeah, it started when we were young that we were told like, do this, do that, do that, you know, and mm-hmm. life, you know, life's unpredictable. And there's a lot of things that we can't, you know, especially working with a lot of, um, people that have just graduated from college. They're like, well, I'm done with school. What do I do now? What looks, yeah. what makes me successful? How do I, you know, yep. Yep. Is it job now? Is it how much I make? Is it the benefits? What, what makes me successful? Mm-hmm. You know, really like the cry of everybody's heart is like, will you still love me if you mm-hmm. know, me? you know, and so really mm-hmm. assuring the person of that, if you're the friend, the spouse, the therapist, like I still, I'm still here for you. Don't, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. You know? Yes. So, um, we all want to be fully known and fully loved. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So good. This is all such good stuff and helpful. Where, um, what would you suggest that maybe if people want to continue in this direction for resources? I know you mentioned a few. Can you think of any other resources that you could suggest for people that may be going through this sort of thing? Yeah. Um, there's a, um, an app that you can download on your phone called mom jeans okay. and it, it's created for women that have gone through postpartum depression, maybe in the past or currently, and they will have questionnaires. It's like part of this whole research study. So they're trying to analyze genes and see if there's a component of who who doesn't, they'll do a saliva test. Yeah. So it's really cool. And I, and that's a big thing that if you are going through this to feel like this is not for nothing, you know, I can help other people or I can help, you know, raise awareness. And so that's a really cool app. Um, and then, um, yeah, postpartum support international is amazing. Um, mentioned and, um, 
yeah, just finding those local, you know, like on psychology today, people don't know that you can, um, check boxes of, you know, either if you want to see somebody in telehealth or in person or, um, insurance, you can check the box of your insurance or, Mm -hmm. you know, anxiety, postpartum depression, all of those things. And, you know, people don't know that they can use that. Um, Find a specialist. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, somebody, because if you see somebody, you know, potentially that doesn't know that your postpartum OCD thoughts are not psychosis, you know, you really want to see somebody yes, who, a specialist, you know, has been trained in that. So, so speaking yeah. of specialists, tell us where people can find you, give us your information and we'll include it in the show notes as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah. My website, Sarah Sanders, mm-hmm. And then people can email me at Sarah at Sarah Sanders, LMFT.com. Okay. And, um, I just created a a nice, pretty little handout for creating a postpartum support plan. So I'm I'm big on everybody, regardless of if you've had kids or if you think you are going to have postpartum depression, whatever it is to have a postpartum support plan. That's brilliant like physical, emotional, mental, how to get all of those things figured out and lined up so that you can go into this birthing experience and this new motherhood experience with the most support and love, mm. you know, and care. Cause it's really focusing on the mom is huge. A well taking yes. care of the mom will take care of a baby very well. You know, yes, that's so say that again. That is so good. Yeah. So I, I say a happy mom, a well cared for mom makes for a happy baby and a well cared for baby. So mm. That's we don't need to focus on the, the baby. If everybody's focused on the baby, who's focusing on the mom? But if we all focus <laughs> on the mom, the mom naturally, you know, will focus on the baby and take care of that baby. So, so good, Sarah. Thank you so much. The last question that we ask every interviewee is uh, just rewinding back to the first um, year of your marriage. When you, uh, how long have you been married now? 14 years, 14 years. So rewinding back to that first year, um, what's advice that you wish you would have received and then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Okay. Dear young married couple, trust in yourself and not have anything, any topic unturned. Talk about everything with your spouse. Mm, That's good. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been um, just I think so fun to have you on, but also a blessing to our um, our community to just be able to pick your brain and Reap hear the benefits your, of a decade of, yes, of work. hear your insights. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Sarah. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.